0: All right, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Let's give our attention to God's Word. It says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. The Bible says that all men are like grass. And that all man's glory is like the flower of the field. And the grass withers and flowers fade away. But the word of God stands forever. So let me pray for us before we consider it further tonight. Heavenly Father, again, we we pause for just a minute to, to ask you to be with us. To recognize reality. And that reality is that if you don't show up and work by your Holy Spirit, then we will not hear and will not understand your word. But Father, you promised to do that. And so we ask that 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 would happen. That you would be here among us and that as the author of these words, now you would be the great teacher and great applier. And Father, we... We trust that having heard your words, we will leave here differently than, than how we came. So, Father, we, we ask these things and we, we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. I recently watched a clip, I think it was on YouTube, from uh, the, the show Antiques Roadshow. Are you familiar with the show? Uh, you've seen some of that, maybe you at least know the idea. If you're not familiar... Uh, the basic idea is that people bring some sort of antique uh, you know something that they have at home and they bring it to this you know expo center kind of place and they have a bunch of experts that evaluate it and look at it and you know tell you all about it and tell you how much it 's worth and so I watched this clip of one of the uh, one of the most I guess, interesting things that's been ever, ever been brought in and it was an older older gentleman and he brought in this really sort of simple-seeming, uh, plain blanket. And uh, his, it had been given to his great-grandfather. And so he brings it in, and he says, the guy asked him about it, like, tell me, what do you know about it? And he says, well, I think it's a Navajo blanket. It was given to my great-grandfather, and it's been in our family. It's been draped over a chair uh, in our house for decades now. Uh, and he said it had been on his bed when, it, when he was a kid. And it's just been in the house. And so the expert, you know, uh, as he's looking at it, as he begins to talk about it, you can tell that he's really excited about this. And he says, uh, he begins to, to talk about it and give all the details and the, the, the provenance of it, right? And how rare it is and all those sorts of things. And then he says... This thing is probably worth conservatively anywhere from three hundred and fifty thousand to five hundred thousand dollars, and the guy starts crying. It's beautiful, but there's more to the story. So there was a guy at home watching that episode, and he's he's uh, down on his luck. He had uh, lost he had lost one of his legs, and so he was drawing disability. He was trying to support his family on like $800 a month. They were barely getting by. Uh, things were not going well. And he's watching this show. And he thinks to himself, I have one of those. I have one that looks essentially just like that. And so he gets excited about it, but he tries to, you know, be measured and says, you know, there's probably something different about it. I mean, maybe mine would be worth ten or 15000 And so he uh, takes it in somewhere and and, uh, has it appraised, and the expert says he appraises it for $50,000. So he's excited. But then they send off some fibers to have them uh, examined closer, and the results come back, and he says, oh, this is way better than we thought. He said, now this thing's probably worth $100,000 to $250,000. And so then it goes to auction. He puts it up for auction, and you can watch the auction You know, as it happened, it ends up going for one and a half million dollars. Can you imagine that? How much fun would that be, right? Uh, I got to tell one more quick story that's similar to that that I read about because I did the work and found it and it's a good story. Read a story about a poor fisherman in the Philippines. This was a few years ago. And he ends up finding this uh, enormous oyster or, or rather enormous well, I guess enormous oyster, and then a pearl inside of it, like 75 pounds. And he took it and stuck it under his bed, and he basically considered it sort of a good luck charm, and it stayed under his bed for 10 years. And then he had a house fire and, you know, had to get the things he cared about out. And so eventually someone that uh, knows sees it, and they say that uh, the experts say that this thing's probably worth upwards of 100 million dollars. The biggest pearl ever, apparently. All right, so why do I tell you these stories? Well, I tell you these stories because we're starting our series in Hebrews this semester. And that's really what Hebrews is all about. The author of Hebrews is essentially saying, I want to show you that what you have is far more valuable than you realize That you have something, and particularly that something is Jesus Christ. I want to show you that Jesus is worth far more than you've ever dreamed of. That he's far more valuable. And so Hebrews really shows us that Jesus is way better than you can imagine. And that's our theme for this semester better than you can imagine. You see, the book of Hebrews was written originally uh, to a group of, of Jewish Christians. That means they were, they were people that had grown up, uh, they were Hebrews, right? Thus the title. They were Jewish, but had converted to Christianity. But at some point, they, because of, uh, apparently because of persecution, they were really tempted to go back to their Jewish faith, to, to leave Jesus. And so the author of Hebrews is writing this letter to them in that situation. To these people that were essentially asking the question, is Jesus really worth it? I mean, it, what's so great about Jesus? You know, maybe, maybe what we had in Judaism, maybe it's good enough. And we could skip the persecution. So it's sort of like they have, if you'll you know, pardon the metaphor... They have Jesus draped over a chair in their room. And he's good for, you know, uh, taking a nap sometimes and you want to be a little warmer. I mean, he's good for that. He's good for some things. But the author of Hebrews is coming along and saying, no, no, no. You have no idea how valuable Jesus is. He's much more than you've imagined. So that's what the book is all about. Uh, The word better shows up all throughout Hebrews. He shows us that Jesus is a better savior. He is a better way to God. He's a better everything. So if you're here tonight and if you're a skeptic and you're not a believer, but you want to hear more about Jesus. Or maybe you're a believer and you're struggling with sort of feeling bored with Jesus. You grew up in the church and eh, what's so great? Or maybe you're a believer that just wants to be encouraged by hearing more about how great Jesus is. So wherever you find yourself, I think this is going to be a great study for you. And so I would just encourage you on the front end, right as we are about to dig in, I just want to invite you to come back. Come back and join us this semester uh, to see God telling us through the author of Hebrews that Jesus, Jesus is so much more valuable than you can imagine. And so tonight what we see... But what I want you to see is that Jesus is a better word from God. And so we've got just two points tonight. The first thing I want you to see from our passage is very simply that God speaks. The second thing I want you to see is that God speaks with finality. So God speaks, and God speaks with finality. All right, so first, God speaks. Uh, You can see in our passage that That Hebrews, the whole book starts out by by the author contrasting these two ways of how God speaks or has spoken in the past, right? Uh, He says that before, in what we would call the Old Testament, that he spoke in, God spoke in lots of different ways. In lots of different times, in lots of different ways, um, through uh, various prophets, prophets. You know, different ways, like, what are the ways that God used to speak, right? Through things like a burning bush. Uh, He spoke through different people. He would speak through dreams. He might speak through visions. Uh, He spoke, at least on one occasion, through a donkey. Many times, in many ways, God spoke, carried out different, uh, spoke through his prophets in different ways. And that's contrasted with... What you see there in in verses 1 and 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So it used to be that God spoke in different ways, different people. But now, very differently, in a sense, God has spoken to us by his son, by Jesus. Uh, As Madeline read for us just a few minutes ago, right? It makes us think of John 1. John tells us that Jesus is the word of God. And where do we meet where do we meet the word incarnate you and i meet jesus right the word of god we meet him in the written word right what we call the new testament so do you see what this at least one thing that this passage is saying right the bible makes this amazing claim about itself that this that, that this your, your Bible is God speaking, that he's actually speaking to us. And I want to stop for just a second. And I want us to recognize just how profound that really is, especially if you've grown up in the church and you've heard that a zillion times in your life. But just think about how gracious it is that God speaks at all because he doesn't have to, right? What an amazing thing that we take for granted God doesn't leave us to to figure it out on our own. There's this huge communication gap between God and people. And he He doesn't leave it up to us to figure out how to bridge it. We don't have to jump through hoops and try to figure out how do we get to God? How can we hear? How do we know about God? He moves towards us and speaks. So that means that what you have, you maybe sitting in your lap, or in your Bible, or on your phone, are the very words of God. Now think about that. They're not, they're not words about God, primarily. They are that. It's not a biography about God, primarily. But they are words from God. Him speaking to you and me. And that's an amazing thing. I came across this story as I was working on this about a monk. uh, from uh, He lived from about 250 to 350-ish. An Egyptian monk named uh, Anthony. Anthony the Great, sometimes he's called. And evidently he was very well known even in his day, so much so that emperors would sometimes write to him. And want to hear from him and ask him questions and things like that. And apparently his fellow monks uh, heard about the fact that an emperor had written to him. I'm sure word gets out about those sorts of things in the monastery. And so basically all his monk friends are clamoring about the fact that you know this emperor had written him a letter. And this is what he says. He, he speaks to them and says, Do not be astonished if an emperor writes to us, for he is a man but rather wonder that God wrote the law for men and has spoken to us through his own son. It's pretty amazing if you think about it. Right? So picture, picture that, like how that really went down. All his buddies are coming like, you got a letter from the emperor. That is amazing. Like, that's that's crazy. Like, can we see it? And he says, yeah, it's it's really not that big a deal. And I'm like, not that big a deal. What are you talking about? It's an emperor. And, and basically his response is, hey guys, we're monks, right? We've dedicated our lives, we spend our whole life hearing from God, remember? The God of the universe that created everything. Right? We get to hear from him. This guy's just a guy. Anthony had it right. He understood what an awesome thing it was to have access to God's words. All right, so what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us that we have God's word? Look, you know, we could spend all semester uh, expounding this, but um, I just want to give a couple of quick applications. First, it means, and we could just sum it up like this. It means that, that this, right, your, your Bible... This is what this is what we're all looking for. That if you want to know the truth, if you want to know reality, if you want to know the truth about God, the truth about yourself, how the world works, if you want to know fundamental and absolute truth, then that's where you find it. You find it in the in God's Word. We have this wonderful word that comes from the outside. Outside the problem of sin. And because it comes from God, that means that it speaks with ultimate authority. And that means that we can trust it. It means that it can be our foundation of reality. Of how we see the world. Of of how we know what we know is true. It's the standard... Think about this. It's the standard by which we can check all the other voices that we hear. Right? What voices or what words do you listen to? Do you know what I mean? Um, right, we all want to understand ourselves. We all want to understand our place in the world. Um, so what voices do you listen to for the truth? Right? It's the first week of school, and especially for you freshmen, but certainly for, for all of us, even, right, even me, Right? We're all asking tons of questions all the time. Uh, where do I fit in here? A- am I going to make it? Am I going to be okay? Why do I feel so lonely? Why do I do that? Why can't I stop? Am I good enough? Right? We're all asking all kinds of questions. Am I, am I attractive enough? Am I good enough? What am I worth? So with all those questions and, and you know, a myriad of others bouncing around, how do you begin to answer them? What voices or what words do you listen to for truth and what are they telling you? And look, I want you to understand, I'm asking this, this is not the guilt trip ask, right? That the right answer is what voice are you listening to? The Bible, so you should be ashamed if you're listening to other stuff. That's not the point, okay? <laughs> so calm down. The point's not to guilt you. I actually want, I want us to think about it. Because maybe, maybe you listen to what your grades tell you. A plus, C minus. Maybe you listen to what your professors or, or your parents or what your Instagram feed or, or, or your bathroom scale or your own heart. And I want you to think about what are those things telling you? And how sure are you that you can trust it? All right, I want you to hang on to those thoughts and questions. We're going to pick them back up in a minute. So I want to move on to our second point. So we've seen that God speaks. But now I want you to see that God speaks with finality. And so here we're really uh, really going to get to the content of God speaking to us. What what, what he speaks to us, what, what what it's about. And I think we could sum it up like this. What is the content of what God communicates to us? Jesus. All right, now, let's drill down into that Sunday school answer a little bit. Um, Because you could be asking the question, so what do you mean that Jesus is a better word from God? A a better word than the way in which God spoke in the Old Testament. Is it more, is he more trustworthy? So we can't trust the Old Testament as much? Uh, Is it... Was the Old Testament less effective somehow? And no, that's not what we mean. But God's revelation to us is progressive, right? Um, And what we see in the Old Testament, right, it moves from promise in the Old Testament to fulfillment in the New Testament. And Hebrews is telling us that God speaking to us by his son, Jesus, is the ultimate fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment. Now where do we see that? Uh, this is where we get a little bit nerdy, right? Uh, the phrase in these last days, if you see that in the verse in these last days, it's really sort of a technical term you see it a lot in the Old Testament and when it's used in the Old Testament it's, it's typically used to denote a time in which a prophet's words would come true in which a time in which the prophet's words were fulfilled does that make sense? So the author of Hebrews is not just saying about in these last days. He's not just saying like, you know, here over the last few years. He's saying something very particular. He's saying that we've entered into this new era of history. We've entered into this time of fulfillment of God's word, of everything that he said. And that fulfillment is Jesus. Notice that it says God has spoken to us by his son. And not just By his son speaking. So Jesus does come and speak, right? But he says something a little bigger than that. He says he's spoken by his son. So we could say it like this, that Jesus is not just the messenger. He's the message. He's not just the messenger. He's the message. So Jesus, who he is, what he's done, everything about him is what God wants to communicate to us. All right, I've got an illustration. I think it's going to work. We'll see if it does. All right, I'm sure that you've seen those videos, you know, you've, on Facebook or YouTube, whatever. Uh, some sort of sporting event, maybe a football game, big college football, big NFL game. And before the game, they have a family who has, uh, they have a family come out, you know, to, to midfield. And the family has, let's say the, um, the husband and father is deployed. Right, they're in Afghanistan, something like that. and They've been gone for a year, and they 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 bring the family out to to midfield, and the announcer you know comes over to the loudspeaker and he says, you know, we've got a treat for you, and if you'll direct your attention to the jumbotron, uh, your loved one, your husband, your father has a special message for you. And so they turn and they look, and there there he is on the jumbotron, and he starts out and he says something like, you know, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen you. And I really miss you. And you, of course, know what's happening. Uh, the whole time, he's walking up behind them, right? Like, actually there. And so pretty soon, they turn around, and they see him. And this is, you know, the point that if you're like me, right? Like, you can't get through one of those without. <laughs> I even tell myself now, like, don't watch this. Don't watch this. Like, And then I'm just like, gone. And so they... They turn around, and they run, and they hug, and they cry, and it's amazing. But I guarantee you that, that none of those people have ever turned around and seen their loved one and then asked them, so what, what, what's the message? Remember, we've got a speci- he's got a special message for you. What is it? <laughs> right? Why? Because they are. The message, right? I mean, everything was building up to them, to them being there, to them being able to hug and and touch, right? To be together. They are the message. And look, that's not a perfect illustration, but it helps us, I think, to get at the idea, right? God speaking to us is summed up in, and it's all building towards Jesus. He is the message, all right so that begs the question. All right well so who is Jesus or maybe you know what is the message? Yeah, who Who or what is Jesus? Is Jesus primarily a great teacher? That what God wants to communicate, uh, he wants to teach us how to live. Here's what you need to do. Or is he um, is he a great example to follow? Here's the message, live like this and watch what I do. Uh, is he a great encourager that he shows up in and, and his whole function? The message is you can do it. See, I did it. What is it? So who is Jesus? And look, here it is. And if you don't take anything else from RUF ever, if you take this, if you take this one thing that we're about to, I'm about to tell you, I will feel like an enormous success. Who or what is Jesus? First and foremost, Jesus is a substitute for you and me. The the message is that God loves you and me so much that he shows up himself in the person and work of Jesus. And he takes our place in life and death. That he comes and he lives a perfect life to give it to you. And he dies a death that we deserve to die. He dies that death in our place. So that he's not first and foremost a teacher or an example or an encourager. He is all of those things. But first and foremost, the message is that I have accomplished something for you. Do you see the difference? Because it's enormous. Because one, one is actually good news. That Jesus has, that something has been done. And the other is a good plan. Hey, live like this. And it's a plan that we can't follow. But Jesus has actually accomplished something. I find it fascinating. Uh, go home and look. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, it begins like this. So Luke, the right, story of Jesus' life, it begins like this. A narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. Isn't that a weird way to start a story about somebody? He says, Jesus came to accomplish something and that 's the good news that Jesus has done something everything is pointing to the fact that Jesus has done something for you. All right, so two quick applications as we wind up. Uh, what does that mean for us? One, it means that everything, it means everything for how we read and understand the Bible that 's really what we 've just been talking about. Uh, Go home and read John 5, particularly verse 539, Luke 24, where Jesus talks about, uh, he basically says everything in the Old Testament, what he, you know, he would call the Bible, everything in the Bible is about me. It all points to him. It means that the way that we understand our Old Testament is that absolutely everything in it is pointing to Jesus Somehow. It's all telling us and pointing us towards grace, right? We tend to read, you know, I mean, we could list all of them, right? All those Old Testament stories. And so often the point is like, so be like David or, you know, dare to be a Daniel, be like Daniel and be brave, you know, stand up for the faith, be willing to die. Right. And like, all right, sure. I mean, there's something to be said for that. But that's not the main point. Because again, that's not good news. Because here's the deal I can't be like Daniel What do you do when you're faithless The good news The good news is that Daniel Or whoever else Points you to Jesus That God sent somebody that, that, That could in an even greater way Stare down death And remain faithful For us because we can't. So it matters everything about how we read our Bibles. All right, secondly and lastly, last application. Uh, it means that God's voice in Jesus is way better than any of the other voices <clears throat> that we can listen to. Right, we talked about that a few minutes ago. Uh, if you trust him, and you, if you want to hear his voice... How does God answer all of those questions that, that we were talking about? And in some form or fashion, the answer is Jesus. The answer is good news. So look, something like this do I matter? Right? If you're if you're looking at your uh, you're looking at Instagram and and you're sort of fundamentally asking that question, do I matter? And the number of likes that you've gotten on that picture says, not really. But the truth says, You matter so much that I would die for you. Am I attractive enough? And the voice that you hear when you look in the mirror, or when you step on the scale, or when you think about the fact that you're not dating someone says, No, not really. Not that attractive. But God says, when I look at you, I see perfection. When I look at you, I see a perfect 10. Can God forgive me for what, I'm, what I've done? Because my heart says, who are you kidding? Are, are you serious? Um, when your when search history on your phone or your computer, when that voice says... You're a pervert. You're a freak. When your roommate actually says, You're a backstabber. But God says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the good word. That's what's true. That's what's truer than those other voices. That's the good news, the better word of Jesus. So look, Hebrews is showing us how valuable Jesus is, how much better he is than we can ever imagine. And what we find in Hebrews and really the whole Bible, sort of paradoxically, is that the thing that is most valuable to him, the most valuable thing in the the universe, Jesus, and the most valuable thing to him is you. Just let that try to sink in. So think back to that guy with his Navajo blanket. How do you think he felt about it? And how do you think he treated it after he realized how valuable it is? You think he laid it on the back of the chair? Certainly not. Right? It was his treasure. And that's just a little taste of how God feels about you. And so I just want to invite you to come back and to hear more every week. Hear more about about how much, about how valuable Jesus is and how much he loves you. And He invites you and it's free to you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, that you speak to us is truly humbling and amazing. Forgive us for how we take it for granted, but thank you Father that you speak and that you speak you speak profound words of grace in the person and work of Jesus. Would you help us to hear you, to trust you? And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.